Warning. The Outsider's Edge contains strong opinions, unconventional views, and contrarian stances. Listen, if you dare. Hey, yo! sound of those sirens y'all that can only mean one thing thank you for listening to another edition of the outsiders as podcast here on the chair shot radio network this is your boy mr kyle moores sorry for missing y'all last week but you know life shit happens i am joined as always by my golden lover mr rance morris how you doing sir got the gun clocked baby for the record you didn't miss last week I randomly said, it's 11 o'clock. Let me record something. Because we didn't have a show Like last you week. do. Like you do. Uh, you know, I, I, I felt bad. You had things something. to say. You had things to say and you needed to say them. You know what? I could have kept them to my damn self and I probably should have. But no, I missed you last week. It's good to be back. Um, I'm just glad that I didn't get stopped on the road today with by Arn Anderson, because uh, oh my god, let me yeah, tell man. you, shit, aren't spilling people's brains out on the concrete? Like, god damn. Can I can I play the clip real quick? Absolutely, no flips, just clips. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Door open says, "Out of the car, I'm taking your car." You say, "Okay, take it." Just don't hurt me. You know what I do? I pull out the Glock, put it on his forehead, and spill his brains all over the concrete. I'm Arn Anderson, and all that that implies. And I'll be damned if I'm going to coach a loser. A man chokes your door. Here is something just can't understand. <laughs> I want to just kill a man. I'm Arn Anderson, and all that that entails. Dude, and that, he made your boy Garrett a little bitch on TV. Called him the fuck out. Read him off, like a novel. First off, and all that implies is the most gangster shit I've ever heard said in life. Number one. Ever. And, and, and the best part is, and the best part is, like he was Ric Flair's wingman, so he can say that shit. It's real. It's legit. Number two, of all the memes coming out today, the best one is somebody put that clip. Behind the West Side Gun Griselda beat. And I was in tears. Because I felt like I was riding down the streets of, like, Queens. Or or Brooklyn or something. It's hilarious. Arn Anderson was always an OG. But I thought that OG was because he was an OG of wrestling. No, this motherfucker's an OG in life. I mean, shit. I pull out the Glock. I'm sitting in Oh, I just love, I just love how, like, he he took it from zero 
to 10,000. I'm saying, we said to talk about y'all lost a match. And no, when you get pulled over by... What? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, but I mean, you know, he—I mean, he did make your boy Garrett look like a little bitch, and I know you had to love that. Oh, first and foremost, I did. Secondly, anytime Cody in, in a in a promo segment with the legend, they they be eating him up. Jake ate him up when he ret- when he came back. Remember? Oh, I mean, I give Cody that much. I give Cody that much. Cody will let you, you know, call him a little punk ass bitch, and I mean, I I respect that. I respect that. Unfortunately. He does prove it very true very often. We have Cody talk for y'all, but let's let's start with I think the first I mean, part of Arn, this. Arn got real extreme. So like let's start with extreme rules. Talk about that journalism. Uh, hey, I don't think anybody I don't like I don't even think GCW is ready for that kind of extreme. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. CCW, like, IWA Mid South. FMW, by the way, which is on Dark Side of the Ring tonight. We record Thursday yeah. nights. Yeah. We're talking about FMW. Uh, I don't even think Onita is ready for the plot the Glock. I don't know if he's ready for that. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, we know WWE ain't ready for it because like, we uh, saw how they handled Brian Pillman. Um, point. So like, we know they're not here for the Glock. But what were your thoughts on Extreme Rules? Like Specifically... Specifically, what were your thoughts on the Dusty Demon finish? So, in totality, I think Extreme Rules overdid expectations because the expectations were subverted. There's only six matches set for the card. All the matches actually were really good. People should realize by now that these pay-per-views that you expect nothing from are normally better than you think because you had no expectation going in. It's just like if you set the bar low for a DC movie, when you walk in, just like, oh, I'm judging this on the I'm judging this on the level of Batman versus Superman. So if it's better than that, we've already won this motherfucker. Hi, Aquaman. Yo, and I love that gonna, movie. I love Aquaman, but uh, we're not gonna go see Aquaman too, cause fuck Amber Heard. I know, man. I feel I hate that so much, cause I'm so excited about the sequel for that. I mean, his, his wife is right. I'm sorry, his, not his real wife, but his other wife is right there, Amelia Clark. But anyway, anyway, um, uh, great. That's a great analogy, by the way, a DC movie. Um, but no, yes, I think so. All the matches were really good. But it hurts when your last two finishes to your biggest matches, the only two you really actually promoted, were yeah. DQs. I think yeah. anybody can accept Especially Sasha. at a show called Extreme Rules. Well, we're going to get to that in just a second, because I want to talk about that. Um, Sasha coming back made sense. I don't think anybody was too upset about that, because we got 15 minutes of greatness. I, I am not one of the people that thinks that the demon was, I think the demon was, was almost helped. By not getting beat, but he got beat by something supernatural, right? I mean, at this point, my thing is, you ain't seen the demon in what five years, and Finn was on, and Finn was on fucking NXT for like a year and a half by his own choice, but still, like, it's not like you can bury a man who has been on the B show for the last two years just because you did a dusty finish to his fancy gimmick. Well, so. From the IWC perspective, Pepperidge Farms remembers, right? I mean, so, from the IWC perspective, everybody gets buried every time their favorite don't win. Well, that is very true. The Shit, last time we right. saw Pepperidge Farms remembers. 
The last time Finn was the demon was WrestleMania 35 when he beat Lashley for the IC title. Um, and I, but I appreciate that they they try to keep the gimmick a lot uh, protected because this is the first time that that the demon has lost on WWE television. Not ca- the only other time was in NXT when he lost at at Takeover in the steel cage match to Joe. So both Samoan Joes have beat the demon. I will say this though. The ending of that was so, not corny, but so hokey with the music and him coming back, but it was cool in real time. And then all of a sudden, like, I am always like to me, they just got rid of him, but that felt like some Bray Wyatt shit. Like that felt like the kind of overbooked, overproduced, hokey, weird shit that they would do in Bray's matches that always left you coming away from the match long term, feeling like, hmm, do we really need to do that? Ooh. That's a great point because we know better than just anybody that no matter how good the 25 minutes of the match is, if the last two are bad, people got to remember the last two. We roasted AEW on this program just twice. two months ago. And then, yeah. yeah, we twice over the summer. Because the match leading up to the finish was fire, and then the finish was sizzle. Well, literally sizzle when you talk about the I mean, yeah, the sparklers. Yeah, (laughs) but but yeah, like, we gotta keep it a buck. We roasted their asses because they gave us two really good matches that they followed up with two real shit-ass spots, and we were like, nah, fuck that. And we gotta keep it consistent. You gave yep. us a really good match, and then yep. you gave us some real bullshit ass finish. And nah, fuck that. We we demand better as fans. The the only saving grace for me is that if you can explain it in a way that helps the story on Friday, I can fuck with it. The night will always be like a, but at least you can like. I know for a fact that what happened at the exploding de- barbed wire death match wasn't planned. Like Tony's come out and said it was an accident. But the way Eddie Kingston fixed it on Wednesday is the stuff of legend. So oh, yeah. this might have his own career in the process. My God, this was planned. They clearly planned because they have it. That's why they have the big um, turnbuckle things so they can shoot fireworks out of it. And they can do that because they've done that before. So clearly that was planned. So if you can explain to me, oh, uh, well, Paul, hey, in fact, Jimmy Corderas, uh, former ref, shouted out something I didn't notice. When they were doing all this, remember the lights were red and the and the uh, smoke was heavy. There was a cameraman right by the turnbuckle Finn was on. If they say, "Well, Paul had a cameraman just in case to knock the coup de grace or something," like it, I may not love it, but at least you made it make sense. And mm-hmm. for me, sometimes it makes I needed to make sense more than I need to like it. No, I, I I agree because, you know, much like yourself, at this point, I'm still a fan because I'm in it for the narrative. Yeah. Um, you know, and I we say it all the time. It's not a disrespect to ring work. We appreciate ring work. We expect a certain level of ring work, especially if you're at a certain position in a company. We expect a certain level of ring work. But, like, when you've watched as many matches as we've all seen over the years, like, at a certain point... Yeah. Oh, this is like the first match in a program. Yeah, I might need to check my email really quick because like that's important right now. And I can catch a match that's just as good anytime. 
And remember, I'm a combat sports fan, so I'm watching boxing, I'm watching MMA, I'm watching all of it. So, like, moves mean less to me than almost anybody because while I know it's not the same type of moves, I can get the same feeling I want just from ring work by watching UFC three times a week. Yeah, and so, like, and again, that is not to say that we don't expect ring work. We do expect ring work, but that is more so to say that, like, no, I'm going to need that story to make sense. So, like, all of that is to say... They got some explaining to do on Friday. Um, yes, they do. Um, I And we're going to give some draft quick hits at the end of the show, but I'd imagine Finn is gone to, to Raw. Um, as far as the rest Man, of it... The, they ping-pong Finn all over the fucking place. I mean, yes, but remember, he wasn't a cult... I, I, I don't oh. know. I don't know what to say. Yeah, I can't... I was going to oh, try no, to explain like, otherwise, but yeah. I mean, it just... Every time it's just oh he's over here nope he's over there nope he's over here nope he's over but there. But you know what? At least, at least there's not a person alive that can say the company doesn't see him as a top face. You can't do it. You can't say that anymore. The company clearly sees him as a top face because they because have, they literally made him turn face when they pushed him to the main roster. He had been face for a minute. I I would argue in NXT, but yes. But what I mean is his first major thing he did was he called out Roman. John Cena stole his spot and then he had the Roman match and got jumped by the bloodline before the match and still took him to the brink and then the demon was protected in a way that only people like Taker or Bray has been protected. So like clearly they see him as a top guy. I don't know if they see him as the top guy but they see him as a top face and nobody can say otherwise. I don't think. No, I I don't disagree. I don't disagree at all. Um, but I, I just think that, yeah, they they definitely are going to need to make this story make a little bit more sense. And, um, I mean, we'll see what happens on Friday. We'll see what happens on Friday. Maybe Finn gets moved and they pivot to something else. I mean, too, what is the off. October pay-per-view? Uh, is there the next one or is Crown the next Jewel. pay-per-view Blood Money? Blood Money's next, and that's, that is Survivor Series. So. All right. Well, so, but, I mean, Blood Money, Blood Money 7, the Deathly Hallows, they got to pull out something. Uh, you, my only thing is, man, in WWE, which is a big criticism of them, so many times things happen and the, and the people act like there's no consequences. Like that was a critique of Bianca and, Be- and Becky at first was everybody thought Bianca should be mad. Now, the anger grew. But I mean, it's realistic to for people to think that even though it wasn't a character. But Finn, if he just walk up Friday and act like ain't a goddamn thing happened. What are we doing? What are we really doing here? Hot shot booking because the creative has no other idea. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the 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 Outsiders Edge is sponsored to you by IWC Term of the Week. Hot shot. Um, speaking of, we're gonna take a quick ad break, y'all, and when we come back, we're gonna talk about some hot shots who thought they were hot shit and got their powers revoked. Boy, on point today. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? 
Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Go to powerslam.tv, promo code ChairShot. Get your free month. Again, that's powerslam.tv, promo code ChairShot. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Thanks for helping us pay those bills, y'all. And don't forget, if you like the content we provide here at the ChairShot Radio Network, go to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash TheChairShot and pick up some of that killer-ass merch. Get you a hashtag journalism shirt, because we the hashtag journalists up in this motherfucker. Clearly. I mean, with all this fire journalism you've been giving us tonight so far. And we 10 minutes into the damn show. I mean, so... um. Now, you brought this story to my attention, Brother Rance, so I'm going to let you lead us in. Tell us what's going on with uh, these EVPs over in AEW. Well, once again, with the scoops, Cassidy Haynes from Bodyslam.net has been on it. He was the one that announced that Daniel Bryan signed. I believe he was the one that said that. Oh, he's uh, on a streak. Yeah, Holmes on, on a streak. streak. He's got the. Po- I don't know who his source within AEW is, but like he's got somebody's number, and he is doing some real good journalism. I have an idea who it is, but I'm not going to say it on on the air because it's not my place. But I, no, I, I have a, I, I have a good idea who it is. Um, and again, it's no problem. Um, but he reported this initially, and then Brian Cage kind of came out in an interview and kind of added part to it. But the uh, I'm going to read the actual um, excerpt quote that I have here. Um, One of the major differences from the early days of the company to currently in AEW is the creative process. Sources within the company have told me that creative was essentially completely taken away from the EVPs, as basically everything now comes through or down to Tony Khan. AEW talents are allowed and encouraged to pitch ideas and give suggestions but creative is Tony Khan's prerogative now. Creative is absolutely Tony Khan's prerogative now. That that uh, adjective is important. Um, or ad- adverb, right? Adjective. Uh, you're eh. sorry. Eh. You you're the one with 17 degrees. Um, <laughs> at one point, Cody Rhodes was the only EVP to regularly attend office meetings and was an office regular. But that role, as well as his input with creative, have greatly diminished. Matt Jackson's EVP role, as I was told, has been assisting his wife with Dana, his wife Dana, with merchandise. You know, Dana was, she's the the brains behind all of the merch. And uh, Nick Jackson is focused on handling BTE. Additionally, it was stated that Kenny Omega is very hands-on with AEW games and the gaming side of things, as well as his role of helping to put together women's matches. I was told by sources that, this is a quote-unquote, Basically, they are EVPs in name only in 2021. They no longer have final say in creative or talent hiring, any of them. TK pulled back all pulled back on the reins and took that power away from all. Um, 
So tell me again how AEW is so much different than the WWE. Tell me again how they're not just another company run by a rich megalomaniac who's just playing with his sandbox of toys. So I feel two ways about this. Number one, from a business structure, this was the only way it was going to work. Oh, yeah. There were too many hands in the cookie jar. And like we've talked about this ad nauseum. You can't let the boys be in charge of the books. It's just it's it's it's. I'm not the person to say that just because something has never worked, it won't. But it's never worked in wrestling, where multiple people had hands in the control of the company, and the company thrived. Yeah, no, that's way too many hands in a cookie jar. Especially when the guy running the company is the guy bankrolling the company. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We've said it. We've said this all along about WWE, and we hate that this is the reality, but it still is the reality. Lesser to an extent now because they're publicly traded, so now it's less about him than it is the board. But at the end of the day, Vince is the only one they got to please because Vince is the one who controls everything because it's his fucking company. So if he ain't happy, nobody's going to be fucking happy. It's the same thing with TK. It is the same fucking thing. TK is bankrolling this company. This is his shit. If he ain't happy, nobody's going to be fucking happy. Because I can guarantee you, as happy as that talent is, and as much as they talk about how much it's just like a family, let them check start bouncing and see how happy that family is. So if TK is not happy, nobody's fucking happy. And if this is what he's going to do, then this is what he's going to do. And if you ever thought it was going to end any other way, you were fooling yourself. And... We're not there yet because we're still in honeymoon phase, but let another year or two pass and you're going to see a lot more people like Brian Cage that aren't being used and have a problem with that because money's good. Creative direction is good, but motherfuckers want to be used because remember, people leave WWE all the time because they say, if you're not going to use me, let me go. And these people are wrestlers because they want to fucking wrestle. And I know this Forbidden Door stuff is really cool, like, on paper, and it's given some cool matches. But ultimately, Tony Khan, you are signed. You're not an employee. This, this, remember, this, this still independent contractor. Independent contractors. But the first use, you, uh, AWS first use, and has the right to deny you to go wrestle any for appearance. any appearance. So, like, if I'm, I'm pretty sure if Brian Cage was truly an independent contractor... He wouldn't give a fuck and would just go work somewhere else. Well, he can't. Yeah. And why would he want to? Yeah, the forbidden door is open. But why would he, after he just left Impact, want to go to Impact? He can't go to New Japan. I mean, unless it's New Japan strong. So, I mean. But, like, again, though, this was always the way it was going to go. And if you ever thought differently, you were just fooling yourself. I don't even think they thought differently. Because I would also argue... And I mean this sincerely. I bet you they ain't got no business, or business, no interest in the actual day-to-day runnings of the company as a company. They all want to do their. They all want to do their project thing. Like Kenny wants to do the games. Nick mm-hmm. wants to do BTE. Matt wants to do whatever he's doing with his wife. Like they want to do their project. But I bet you. Cody is probably the only one who genuinely would want to be involved in literally every inch of the company. And it's because Be- he's playing Dusty Cosplay. Well, yeah. And Hunter Kinda. Cosplay. I mean, he he's really just like 
doing this like Harvey Two Face thing between Hunter and the Miz. Well, the Miz is like real life Cody now, right? He cop he's copying Dusty's career. He's copying Hunter's backstage, whatever, and he's copying Miz's real life because if, not next season, but in two seasons, Cody Rhodes is gonna be on damn Dancing with the Stars. I'm telling you, it's happening. It's going to happen. <laughs> So, so look, from a business standpoint, this is probably the best thing for the company because you have to have one filter. The problem with it is twofold. Number one, Tony Khan basically lied to the boys. It is what it is. But number two, and this is a bigger issue because I, I actually think this, this is a net positive for them, but the issue is that unlike Vince, who has 30 writers and has 20 agents and has a head of a head of Raw, a head of SmackDown, and grew up NXT, in the business, and grew up in the business from scratch. Tony Khan is doing everything himself, so this as is why. As, exactly. By the like, way, let's keep that. I no, I really think we need to keep that in perspective. I do think that it is a good thing that he has kind of pushed the EVPs themselves out of. Uh, you know, creative control and blah blah blah. And he's yep. given, he's made himself like, okay, the buck stops with me. Yep. Um, but like, brah, you're a fan. Like, you've owned this company for two years, and like, this company has been successful. And I'm sure you've learned a lot in that amount of time. And I'm sure you know more about it than like, you know, someone like I do who like hasn't been behind this the curtain but at the same time this is still a fan in charge of booking this is a fantasy team 100 percent, and i think so uh, yes i i i don't i don't talk about it as much as i should the fan part only because you know well, you, i'm not you, talking about you specifically i'm just saying sure. i think that that context needs to be kept because 100%. i percent I think that you're going to start seeing, unless he's got a team surrounding him that is yes. like his creative team, I think you're going to start to see more instances of, well, this seems kind of weird or like hot yes. potato short-term booking. This seems very reactionary. I thought y'all didn't do this. This isn't the company you are. Like, 100. The, the interest of wanting to do, put on a good show are going to be met quickly with the interest of doing the right business which is something that people hate about wwe but it happens when you get that big but it's also important to note besides the fact that he's just a fan he is still currently co-owner and the senior vice president of football technology and analytics for the jacksonville jaguars and co-owner and vice chairman slash director of football operations for fulham fc so like and Chad gave him a Big ass checkbook, man. Chad got a big ass, and I. I, I love mean, Chad's got blood oil money. I got. He, I understand. And I appreciated the reason he said he did it. He said, "Look, when I die, y'all gonna get this money anyway. You might as well spend some of it while I'm alive." Like that's gangster shit. I'm not mad at that. But ultimately, the reason why WWE has worked, maybe not creatively for fans, but from a business standpoint, is because of the business structure. Tony doesn't have one. He wants to do it all himself. Max Caster fucks up. Oh, but I'm not going to fix Dynamite. Not Dynamite, but uh, Dark Elevation. I just oversee it myself. Oh, well, this happens. Well, I just oversee it myself. Well, this and this happens. Well, I just oversee it myself. Brother, get you a structure in place because you can't do everything. Well, and, and to be frank, you know, 
yeah, it's good that you took them out of creative, but like you have these EVPs, utilize them. I appreciate. So the only one that seems to be utilized in a way that's helping the company is it feels like Tony has said, Kenny, all this game shit is yours. Yep. That is your playground. You are a gamer. You enjoy gaming. Oversee game. Yep. This is your thing. Dana has always been the connected hot topic in pro wrestling tees. Oh yeah. Matt's wife is, Matt's wife is honestly the most valuable person they have. Like, Spot on. Dana Massey is the she's, to the She's business. the real vision. And Matt would tell you that. Like, yes. I'm not saying shit that Matt wouldn't tell you himself. Yes. Dana is the vision behind yep. all of this. She's the one playing chess while everybody else was playing checkers. She's so the one told them, oh, y'all could monetize this vlog shit. All, why don't we put out shirts nobody else is buying? hey, we could probably get these shirts in stores. Like, yeah, that's all Dana. So shout out to that. Um, but it, but you, I just, structurally, AEW's always been up to me. And they're making it work, which is fantastic. But man, it's like the rubber's going to hit the road soon, dog, don't you think? I mean, I feel like it's got to because I, that's too much work for one person. Yes. Just from a mental health standpoint. That's too much work for one person. But, and you know, all this really does, like, it's just terrible to say. This just, like, further proves to me that, man, my, my dog is, is skiing the slopes hard. <laughs> you got this That'll... many jobs that you're this involved in. Like, when do you sleep, bruh? That's what I'm wondering is, like, eventually, the Jaguars suck every year. Fulham is bad every year. Eventually, Shaz's going to be like, bro, what are we doing? <laughs> like, can you do this? I mean, uh, that what that's another thing that would worry me if I were a hardcore stan and not just a fan of the company. Is like, Shad, or not Shad, I'm sorry, TK does not have a... Uh, track record of running successful sports franchises. This is the first one that he's run that has been successful for more than a year. Um, because those football teams that he owns are both trash. Trash, 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 trash. Yep. Yep. So, yep. like, but, I mean, you know, listen, man, take a nap. I don't know, like, stop skiing. Um, look out for your mental health. Get you a team. That's Use them EVPs. And, to, my God, the, the minds that he has available to him in that company. And, I mean, the Jim Rosses and Tully Blanchard well, and, and I mean, Jerry you know, Lins and, and Dean Malenko. If he wasn't an active performer, because I do think that it's a problem to have an active performer on your creative team. If he wasn't an active performer, Garrett is good to have on creative. I can agree with that. Yeah, he knows how to he knows how to book. He knows how to tell stories. He learned very well from his dad. Like my from issue from Vince, from Paul. Like my issue with Cody being on creative is more that I personally think there's an ethical conflict of interest having an active performer as an active member of your creative team. Agreed. I Agreed. think that that is an ethical conflict that you just can't overlook. You just can't. There's no way of getting around that. There's yep. no way of working past that. Like, no. And 
he of all people should have realized that as someone who watched his father's baby die because active performers had creative control over their characters. And for and from Cody's standpoint, the only thing that he show, seems to show active um, creative control in is his own shit. Everybody yeah. said forever that a Cody Rose match and story feels so disconnected from the show. Yeah, it, and it does. It feels like a separate thing that happens on Dynamite. Yep, but, but not, not in the Dynamite world. In Dynamite. And now knowing that he don't fuck with the Bucks and, and I'm 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 going a little further than what the report says, but that they They're don't seem besties. to be Yeah. Um you see it now because there's no synergy and we've always known there's any there's no synergy between those two groups after the shit got started because Cody broke from the elite real quiet real yeah, just, quiet just casually stopped hanging around the group yeah and then created his own elite in the nightmare fa- factory or nightmare family or whatever yeah nightmare family because the factory broke off with QT and his bowling shirts but look I think the uh, the company can and should thrive. There's no reason it shouldn't. But if he, but that's the reason why fans hate Kevin Dunn, and I do too. Fans hate Bruce Pritchard. I don't hate him, but I'm not a fan of his. Fans hate it. Well, they they like Triple H in the role, but when he first got that role, or all these situations. Well, they're in the, John Laurinaitis or Canyon Seaman or what's the bitch that got fired for what he did to Mickey? Carano, Mark Carano. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they're there for a reason. They're there for everybody that leaves WWE says, I can't talk to Vince, and Vince is the one I need to talk to. Now, that is a problem because the company's so big, but Vince fixes every problem if it gets to Vince. Tony Khan don't got nobody filtering shit. Boys out here cutting their own promos, boys out here running their own matches, boys out here going over time, aren't out here killing people on screen. And, and you know, as our longtime listeners know we are believers of nuance. Yes. There is nuance between saying there needs to be someone filtering promos ahead of time and saying they need to script everything out. 100%. We are 100%. not saying that you need to write dialogue for a script and hire a full team of Hollywoods and blah, 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 blah. That's not what we're saying at all. We're saying have somebody who's the person that, like, everybody's got to run promo past. Like, mm-hmm. hey, I need y'all to run this past so-and-so. I need y'all to run this past Audrey because she's got a background in communications and she has been briefed by TNT in what is and is not acceptable for the network. And so I need you to filter promos past her for everything. And, you know, she'll let you know if something's a red flag, you got to cut it out. Well, you know who should have that role? That non-existent chief brandy officer. Oh, oh, you mean the person who's only interested in building the brand of herself? I I really want someone to explain to me. I will give her two fantastic things she's done as a, as a chief brand, brand officer. The the AW Hills thing, well, I think is I don't I didn't work for the me. The rollout was messy, but it but ultimately turned out to be a ended nice up being thing. very successful. And the culture city thing for the kids with like with the headphones and for the kids with sensory deprivation issues, mm-hmm. that is one of the best things any company's ever done for wrestling. That is so, and that is so like game changing for like families with children on the autism spectrum. One hundred percent. 
who sometimes can't go to things and it's just like oh no like no i can take my child and when they become super fucking overwhelmed like no i just gotta let somebody know and there's a place for that it's to the point now where it should be commonplace for every company it should be commonplace for any entertainment venue realistically like sensory deprivation issues are a thing yes um, we are, we talk all the time about wanting to like end the stigma around, you know, mental health. Part of ending the stigma around mental health is accepting some of the things about mental health that are sometimes messy and uncomfortable. Like, yeah, like people have sensory deprivation issues. I mean, shit, I don't have sep- sensory deprivation issues. And I just had a conversation, uh, today about how, like, I can't handle amusement parks for more than a day because being around that many people and that many small children is anxiety inducing for me. I'll give you another one. If you watch Raw, when Mustafa Ali and Mansoor come out, their Tron has a whole bunch of flashing lights like Io Shirai. Oh, yeah. If you were epileptic, that's a no. Yeah. Because, you know, every show when they do something like that, they have to warn you before. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not epileptic in, the, in any sense of the word. I don't that I know of have any sensory deprivation issues. But even now, I'm like, man, it's a lot of lights. Mm hmm. When oh, I'm that's a, real intense. When I'm at a stadium and the um, fireworks come out, I audibly cover my ears because it's too loud for me. Even if I'm on the other side of the stadium. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a joke around people that I'm around, you know, that, oh, here it goes. So uh, I can't imagine being a kid that's on the autistic scale or that someone with regular sensory deprivation issues. And so the Culture City thing is a game changer. And she deserves so much credit for that. And I'm not trying to, this, this isn't one of those but situations. But the only, way I, I, the only way I can kind of move to the next point is, has there been any, anything else that she's done of relevance as, that, as a CBO? I, and I don't, I'm not trying to be mean. I don't know. I know what Steph is out here doing as a CMO. So you see Steph, on the, Steph just made the, the most 50 most influential chief marketing WWE is in Special Olympics. WWE is in Susan J. Komen. WWE is in well, making. She regularly, she regularly gets that. recognized in the like how uh, fifty under fifties and shit like that. And... But you see her moving though. She's on like five or six boards of companies. The other thing in that. Well, the other thing you see with her is anytime she does literally anything and appears in literally any capacity, that bitch gonna mention WWE. Huh. She got like she could be she could be going to a luncheon for a charitable foundation and and the comment might be just very very subtle it might just be like you know here in the WWE family we really just believe in blah 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 blah, and we want to make sure that our our events are X Y and Z and so we're always really happy to come out and support organizations like this one and look I know inevitably. Someone's gonna make this about a white woman and a black woman, and I'm sure. And there, are, and there are certain criticisms of that that yes. are valid, and there is a time and a place where we can go there for those. Yes, and I don't want to tear her down from her role because we need more people of color and women. And we're also willing in those positions. And we're also not foolish enough to not be cognizant of the fact that yeah, Homegirl was pregnant, and like I'm sure at some point went on FMLA. Sure, but that's not even where I'm going. Where I'm going is, and this people are gonna hate to hear this, Brandy doesn't deserve that role. If she, no. if if Brandy Runnels 
literally said, I'm going to take the resume I have and apply for a chief marketing officer position at any, not even Fortune 500 company, just any larger scale company. She wouldn't get the job because her resume doesn't show that she's earned that. Steph, on the other hand, and I get people is in her own company, but look at every job she's done in WWE. She was a model. And then she worked, she worked in merchandise. And then she did this and that. And then he sent her to school. And then she was on air talent. And then she worked, she was a writer. And then she became over Like she's done every job there is to do in professional wrestling before she got this role. It's all, you know but it's, yeah, but it's also like what the role is. It, she's supposed to be the branding officer. And I don't see a lot of branding of the company through her. And, like, I was just thinking as you were talking, I was like, you know, Renee Paquette advertises AEW more than Brandy does. She don't work there. And she, you know, plugs that shit in all of her appearances just because her husband works there. And so do a lot of her friends. Sports Nation covers on ESPN the show. Arco Dallas is on there. And Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know her name, but I know her handle is uh, Beautiful Ball Girl. Mm-hmm. I can't remember her name, but she used to play f- basketball. Okay. Um, they talk about AW all the time. Yeah. Punk is on there. Danielson's on there. Orange Cassie's on there. Like, AW's on all these places, and maybe she's behind these moves. We don't know. And maybe that's part of the bigger issue is that Tony puts so much in his own hands, it feels like Tony's doing all this himself. Tony, my thought with some of the EVPs, because if I were them, I would have started to notice this and it would have already started to rub me the wrong way. I know Tony's bankrolling it, so there's only so much you can do about it. But like Tony goes out of his way to position Tony as the face of everything. Like Tony wants you to know yeah. he runs AEW. Well, because it's a vanity project. You're right. It is a vanity project. 100%. But I'm saying there's nothing wrong with that, but it is. But I'm saying Part of what we're criticizing Brandy for is in some ways made worse by the fact that TK is a megalomaniac and is just like going out of his way to position himself as the face of everything. So basically you're saying it's a one one bad bitch rule. Basically, yes. And as is always the case, the black woman got to do the job for the white man because he's got to be the bad bitch in the room. <laughs> it is, it, you know, what's funny to me about that one thing you just said is that. You yes, don't get a pass because he's Middle Eastern? Nah. No, you're right. You're right. <laughs> in, in, the, in the eyes of, a, of America, that man is white. Um, is that he positions himself so, almost bastardizes himself so much in the eyes of the public for the company but he tries so hard to not be a character on screen and you know and I, he, except he said, when he's a character on screen except when he's a character on screen and he did say one thing that made sense he was like i can exist on air without being on air because the show has to have some structure I'm with that. But you'll be showing your ass up on screen quite like a bit. You bro. showed up to the Arthur Ashe show with Lil Uzi Vert. By the way, who just beat his girlfriend like not too long ago. So like, good job on that, AEW. <laughs> I mean, but we can't complain legitimately because it was the only black person on the show that night. Well, Uzi. I mean, well, they, you know, they put they put the blacks in one segment with Caster and Bowens. The blacks all had the one moment. So good good for you, Arthur Ashe. 
By the way, We're, real quick, what did you think of the Punk Hobbs match? I wasn't a fan. So I don't know how to judge it fairly because, and I felt the same way with the match against Darby, my bias against Darby aside. Yeah. I don't know how to judge these matches with Punk because Punk hasn't wrestled in so fucking long. Okay. That I'm just like, I I can't tell, is this ring rust? Is this you don't have chemistry with these people? Is this you've lost a step? Like, So my perception was, I know we went on way tangent, I'm sorry. The story of Punk and Darby was told fantastically. I just don't like that Darby was made to basically be squashed. But the story of Punk and Darby was, Darby's the fastest dude probably in the business. Punk's trying to keep up with this kid that ain't wrestling forever. The story of Punk versus Hobbs was flipped, was that Hobbs had to keep up with Punk because he's so powerful, and it slowed the match down a little too much for me, and it almost made it look like Hobbs couldn't keep up and wasn't good enough for Punk, when it should have been the other way around. Hobbs should have been beating him down, and Punk should have been selling. But Hobbs was selling the whole time because Punk kept going after the knee. So maybe it's the structure of how it was structured. Still, there wasn't there was enough moments. Hook also. Yeah, well, clearly. Send hook, right? Send hook. Um, no, I. it could have been better. But again, I'm not going to complain because Rampage is the one AEW show that does bring the culture. So, you know. Okay. Black, hashtag Black Wrestling Draws. Hashtag, and go check out on Rampage if you don't watch anything else. Go make sure you go watch Nyla, Jade, and Thunder. That's going to be a, well, it can be a very good match. And I'm excited about that. Yeah, that match is going to be real fun, hopefully. Um, but this is yet another week where, and yet another week where it's a women's match, funnily enough. But yet another week where you've got a lot of performers of color from AEW that are being relegated largely to Rampage. Mm -hmm. And the performers of color that you see on Dynamite, with the exception of the tag match between Cody and Lee versus Dante and and Seidel. Well, Um, can we stop calling Dante Martin? Can we start calling him by his real name, which is like Martian? This motherfucker ain't human. I mean, flippy-dippy-dippy-dippy-doo. People bitch about Ricochet. Ricochet can't be Ricochet when it's like five other Ricochets out right now, dog. And Dante is out ricocheting the fuck out of Ricochet. I'm saying. Uh, But with the exception of that match and then Sammy in the main event, we had yet another week of, you know, where are the performers of color? Well, go ahead. Expound on that a little bit for me because I'm, I'm right there with you. Well, it's... The reason it bothers me is because AEW likes to talk a lot of talk about diversity and how they embrace diversity and the, you know, leadership likes to say how inclusive they are. And, you know, by all accounts from the performers on the roster, you know, we don't have any real accounts of it being like an overtly racist or homophobic place or anything like that. Very inclusive from what they say backstage. But I'm just thinking of like, so I listened to a podcast not too long ago called nice white parents. And it was about school segregation and how school segregation isn't done 
even maliciously as much as it's a byproduct of the fact that the school system kowtows to white parents and white parents want what all parents want. They want their kids to have the best schools. Mm-hmm. And AEW feels very much nice white parents to me. Like they talk a big talk about wanting diversity and wanting inclusivity and wanting to embrace like the culture, but they still also want their like chosen stars to be the big stars and to take up all the time. And that ends up meaning because of the racial biases of our society, which also includes largely the people responsible for creative, which like most companies in AEW's case is mostly uh, cisgender heterosexual white men, or as my, um, as my friends call them, stale pale white males. Um, (laughs) So like a lot of, like a lot of companies, they're run by stale pale white males and stale pale white males have an inherent stale pale white male bias. And so as a result, they, it comes across to me as a lot of talk and not a lot of actual, real, tangible, on-screen representation other than like a token match once in a card. So very astutely said and very true. Nice white parents sounds like a dope idea for a set for us, a podcast. So I've seen a lot of this rhetoric this week and you've all been talking about this from us, but I I saw some tweets that have been rightfully getting roasted because there are some fans who believe that either one, there's nobody ready um, the piece person of color, specific, specifically the black side of the game and the company to be pushed to the top, or two, that the ones that they do have aren't good enough. It's almost it's almost the same argument that SNL tried to have, not SNL, but people up around SNL tried wait, to have wait, wait. with no black women. There's no good to, black women enough. I need to I need to make sure that I'm understanding the argument correctly. Are they trying to say that society's not ready? No, no, no. Bl- okay, no. I was gonna say, I was like, WWE's like almost nothing but black and brown champions right now. It's for the culture. Yes, I'm black, y'all, and I'm black, y'all, and I'm black and black. That's Vince right now. Um, <laughs> no, what I mean is, okay, so WWE has in any world you look at, if you put every wrestler and it that's took ever them walked- years to get there. It just did. like it took them forever to get this far, but thank God they did. One, my God, if you laid out every wrestler in a row in the world, WWE, you can look at the guys. Bobby Lashley is going to be a star in any company he's at. Big E in the New Day is going to be a star in any company they're at, right? Like, you can look at these people in WWE, Sasha Banks, and beyond. anywhere they're going to be, they're going to be stars because of their package. What AEW fans are trying to say is AEW doesn't have a black person that you can say he should be a world champion. He should be in the main event. Now, How can Powerhouse Hobbs become a main event world champion if you don't ever put his ass on the card, yo? And and yes, the argument to that is, and we're speaking in the greater wrestling sphere, Darby Allen was not a name known by the greater wrestling sphere. From the moment the company started, they pushed him. I'll see MJF. better. Jungle Boy. Jun- I've never heard of Jungle Boy. The only thing I knew about Jungle Boy is that his he daddy. was Luke Perry's kid. His dad, yeah, I knew his daddy. His daddy, Luke Perry, had a son that wrestled. Yes. Yeah, and at the time, Luke had been going through a career resurgence because he was in Riverdale, and yep. you know, 
rest in peace to Luke Perry. Yeah. Sammy Guevara. Nyla Rose. Nyla Rose. I didn't know. Britt I didn't Baker. Know. Right? Britt, Britt wasn't good enough to be to make the Mae Young Classic. <laughs> In the eyes of WWE. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, but when, but so, and that's the biggest issue for this, of this, for me. This is not a merit-based company. This isn't that the best wrestlers wrestle. This is whoever I deem appropriate is going to be put out there. So you can make any, Michael Nakazawa could be world champion tomorrow if Tony said I'd want to do it. Right? Because it's a scripted environment. So for you to sit here and say nobody's good enough, well, no, you're not allowed. Now, we're going to bitch about Ricochet not getting opportunities in WWE because he does flippy dudes and he's cool, right? But it's the same argument in AEW. These guys, Lee Johnson is good. Lee Moriarty was maybe the best wrestler on the indies not signed. He just got signed. Shout out to AEW this week for signing or bringing back Leo Rush and finally signed Kiera Hogan. You're making the signings. But you got big shoddy Lee Johnson. You got powerhouse Hobbs. You gave Scorpio Sky this beautiful departure from uh, SCU, the flagship tag team. Of gave of him the w. ring. Let him gave win the, him the ring. And then he lost the match the next week, turned heel, and got in another tag team. So it's like, so it's like they're there. They're there. Big Swole ain't been on Dynamite in probably six months. Jade only does promos on Dynamite. Now she's green as goose shit, but she needs to be on the fucking show. Red Velvet is used as a conduit for everybody else's feud to be the third or fourth person. Like, they're there. You just won't won't use them. Like, you don't have to... Everybody doesn't have to be Bobby Lashley for you to say he needs to be pushed. And that's that's my issue with it. Like... Well, and then you see the same... You can, and then you see the same things that you see in other companies forever. You see the tokenism. They'll push Andrade and the Lucha Brothers, and they'll say, oh, no, see, we're representative. Well, Sammy Guevara won the TNT title, so, hey, let's go representation. Yeah, and and again, and again, there is a huge difference between actual authentic representation and a token match and a segment. Like they get they they allow a token match or two on the show to performers of color, and it's not cute. It's not. And you know, I may be dipping in. I may be dipping, maybe dipping my toe in some uh, controversial waters here. But Do it. the one thing WWE has used black people regularly for a long time. They mm-hmm. they started they started putting them in and I I, I I don't like doing these one-on-one comparisons but I'm making a point you'll see where I'm going. Um, they they finally started treating black talent as just black talent instead of you know what I'm saying yeah took talent. them for took them for fucking ever right. But what I appreciate about what WWE has done over the past six five six years maybe maybe a little longer maybe a little less is that they're allowing their black talent to be just talent. And be unapologetic, unapologetically themselves. Bianca back, Bianca Belair is not a black gimmick. That is every bit of Bianca Blair. Sasha Banks is not a black gimmick. That is every bit of Mercedes Varnado. Hit Row is the blackest gimmick in wrestling right now. But they're not playing characters. They're allowed to be themselves. 
I don't know if I see that same feeling from many other companies. The only other person I could think of is Ring of Honor, and my God, giving them credit, Shane Taylor Promotions, Trisha Dora, and John Gresham are out here being literally who they are, and that is representation to me because it's not just using someone who has a certain color or demographic, but it's allowing them to be that who they are and represent that demographic in which they live in. You know, and I don't know that I see that. I mean, I know Sammy Guevara calls himself a Spanish god, and I'm not saying he needs to walk around here with a Mexican or a Puerto Rican or a Venezuelan, whatever flag. But if you didn't know his last name was Guevara and he didn't know his nickname, would you even oh, yeah. he cross got your mind that he's a Spanish? Like a motherfucker. He got light and skin he, privilege like a motherfucker. And he rocks with the inner circle. And proud and powerful are so proudly Puerto Rican, but you don't see it unless they wrestle. How often do you see proud and powerful wrestle? I mean, facts. That's facts. And that's the point that we're like, it needs to be said. It needs to be said. Like, somebody's got to bring attention to the fact that, like, this is still to a certain level tokenism. And it might not be malicious tokenism, but it's still it token. Is. Yeah, I don't think it's malicious. Like, and, and for the record, WWE deserves a lot of credit, but they're still not there, too. They're still not nope. perfect either. Nope. And, and, you know, y'all, this is what we talk about when we talk about systemic racism. Part of the effects of systemic racism and systemic homophobia and shit is that we have all these subconscious biases of what we think a show is supposed to look like or what a star is supposed to look like or how it's supposed to be done. And as a result, you self-fulfill that prophecy. And you don't, you don't give the opportunities to people. Can and you then, give an example of that? Yeah. I know it took him a while to get there. But Randy Orton's won four or five more championships more than he should have because he fills that quota. Randy Orton became one of the best wrestlers in the world over time. But when he was first winning titles at first, he was just a good hand with the great look. Well, and, and an example of and an example of the differences of hashtag two Americas. Um, when a Randy Orton fucked up, he was given all kinds of chances to redeem Ooh. himself. He was allowed to work back in. He was given the ball and like allowed to find the character and all. Yeah, they changed. They like he literally shit in somebody's bag. Like, no, like no, but you're talking about the drug rules. Oh yeah, oh yeah, the drug rules. Yeah, I forgot how many times he got popped for fucking drug use and, and shit like that. Meanwhile. You know, and, you know, and Randy will be the first to admit that he wielded his power terribly until he, you know, figured his life out and, like, got some sense knocked into him and, like, put the work in. Um, But, like, meanwhile, Kofi fucks up in a match one time. And so Randy says the wrong thing, says the wrong thing to one person. And Kofi's never so much as allowed to sniff the upper end of the card until Kofi Mania. Even and the guy, that's two Americas. Even the guy I don't support, I, I, not don't, don't support, I'm sorry, so misspoke. But a guy who I didn't fully support in the moment, but had this, had a very similar situation. Leo Rush taught himself out a lot of bullshit, but his overarching point, I think I agreed with. His overarching point was, if I'm on this roster, and I'm a member of this roster, then why should I have to pay these antiquated dues that y'all paid because y'all did it 20 years ago? Yep. Now, that caused him so much trouble that he ended up getting released. 
Whereas if anybody else would have said that, probably wouldn't have been a big issue. And the fact is, he's fucking right. The fact is there, he is fucking right. Uh, because the thing is, we don't ever move forward as a society if we don't get past this bullshit-ass idea of because I had to do X and because I had to deal with this bullshit, everybody mm-hmm. that comes up's got to do X and deal with this bullshit. Yeah. No, your mindset's fucked, bro. Your point, like, your mindset should be, I had to put up with X and I had to deal with this bullshit. I'm going to make sure nobody ever has to put up with X and deal with this bullshit. And, you know, I agree with paying dues. I think that you have to earn a certain respect level anywhere you go. But, like, carrying bags and bringing water ain't that. There are people hired for that. No, paying dues is, no, paying dues within your profession is you're going to start on dark matches. And then, you know... You're going to work your way up. We're going to have you as part of the ring crew because part of performing within this craft is knowing yeah. how the ring is put together, how the set is the laid art. out. Yeah, uh, yeah like we're going to make you run crew because that is paying dues in a productive way. You need yep. to learn that these people that are making this show possible for you are important and valuable yep. and deserve to be treated with respect. That's what I That's what I love about the Young Lion system. Yes. That's... That's what I love about the Young Lion system. There is something to be said for, like, it's not being cruel for the sake of cruelty. It is making people work hard so that they respect their art. Like, you need to respect the fact that when we do Wrestle Kingdom, you're not putting the ring together because you're performing on Wrestle Kingdom. But you're going to remember when you did put that fucking ring together, and you're going to be nice to every single one of these people because you know that they are real human beings who are just out here trying to do a fucking job. Shout out to Shibata, by the way, who's doing fantastic work at the LA Dojo. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. New Japan, New Japan, Japan might be in some uh, rough waters right now, but New Japan America's doing great. <laughs> five In five years, they'll be fine because guys like Gabe Kidd, guys like Shoto Aminu. Because New Japan America funny. will go to Japan. You know, one of these days, we're going to have to have sit, sit down and have a real New Japan conversation. Oh, we guys really do this. Uh, are we going to have to call it J&J Security? We might have to, man, because, like, they ain't been on in a minute, and we say this all the time, and I love them. They're my boys. Uh, but, I, but I hate calling them to explain shit. Sometimes I just want to call them to talk. But every time we talk to them about this on air, it's to explain some shit. <laughs> so, yeah. Great point. Uh... Great points. But yeah, no, in general, though, in general, though, just to bring it back to what we were talking about before, it's just performers in minority groups don't get afforded the same opportunities to get to the top. And then when they do get those opportunities, if literally anything goes wrong, they're just like relegated. I just have another person that is relevant to this moment right now. Yeah. Rich one. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, what he did was really fucked up, um, but you're not wrong in terms of he got fired and a lot of people did not. Well, so you're talking about that issue, which is a whole nother can of worms. I'm talking about recently and how he. Oh, how he took the L for the Impact World Championship and like got blamed for how Impact was doing, even though Impact wasn't drawing before Rich One even got to the fucking company. He worked his ass off to get to the point where the people of Impact and the fans believed in him enough to be their champion. He beat everybody there, 
and a, and and was actually and was willing to be and was willing to be there and do that when they had no fucking body zero because Eric anybody that they in. had because anybody that they had that was somebody got poached by WWE or AEW yeah they brought Eric Young in from obscurity in WWE and he went straight to the main event and again Eric Young is a good wrestler I'm not saying Brian Myers guy. is one of their top stars one hundred percent. But he gets fed to Kenny Omega, never gets a rematch. Not on the, he's not even in the in the upper mid card anymore. He's just like on the show. You know what I'm saying? And word to Christian who's actually trying to do work with Impact. Christian's a consummate professional. He's a and he loves that company. But but he's a person. And yes, even if you want to talk back to the domestic issue that he had with his wife, who's come out and said wasn't what y'all thought it was. And even though. Oh, but I mean, here's the thing. WWE don't get a pass for that shit because fucking they let fucking Matt Riddle stay employed for fucking ever. They didn't get rid of they didn't get rid of Patrick until Patrick almost went to court. You're spitting some facts, though. By the way, I forgot Patrick was a thing. I know, right? Isn't that great? (laughs) It was really good for a while. (laughs) I need to see a dark side of the ring about Patrick Clark. I don't know, man. I don't know. He was accused of some real fucked up shit. But his is his is a Faustian tale. That's what I mean. Yes. At, like his is a Faustian tale. If I've ever seen one, I have never seen somebody who Still took to the business. Well, that but somebody who took to the business so naturally and so easily and so quickly and had everything right before him, and then yeah, just Icarus. Two things, one thing you can learn from Patrick Clark and Ric Flair. Don't live your gimmick, brothers. Nope. Sisters, don't live your gimmick. <laughs> don't live I, it. Edge has had the best thought process on gimmicks his whole entire career. He has never once announced himself, introduced himself outside of outside of the wrestling ring as Edge. Hi, I'm nope. Adam. Yep. I'm two different I'm people, Mr. brother. Mr. Copeland. Two different people. Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Hmm. Where you want to go next, brother? Do you want to talk about that Bischoff story, or do you want to get, get out of here and talk some draft talk? Um, wh- I can't even remember what Bischoff said. Well, Eric Bischoff, who is doing, I mean, Conrad Thompson is doing the Lord's work with this podcast. He is out here killing it because every podcast he has, whether I listen or not, do numbers. And 83 Weeks apparently is one of the better ones that he has. But um, he had some conversation, he had some thoughts on the kind of writing issue and uh, the rating issues right now, and this quote-unquote war between... Well, it's not a real war. But this quote-unquote war between AEW and WWE. Oh, now I remember, yes. You want to you talk about that real quick? Um, we don't have to. It's not... Well, I, like, I, I, no, I want to, like, at least bring it up. We don't have to, like, get into it, get into it, because he's saying what we have been saying for a long time. Well, can I read one quote for you that I thought Absolutely. was super dope? Um... Here's one of them. There's one quote, and then there's another quote I want to read you. I think if you're an executive in media, 
in, in a media buying company or advertising agency, I think the 18 to 49 demographic matters. To the rest of the world, it doesn't mean two shits. But it is something that everybody can pat themselves on the back for. I'm talking about AEW supporters and fans. I'm not knocking it, by the way. I'm excited that everybody is excited. But when somebody asks me what do you think about the focus on the demographic, it's primarily driven by the internet wrestling community and people that write for it. It's not new. It's been that way since I made the decision to go after the 18 to 49 male demo. Not because I was brilliant, but because I knew that there was no way I was going to be WWE at what WWE was doing back before Nitro launched. 18 to 49 has always been important. Today, it's so much of a conversation because it's a line item that those who are anti-WWE and pro-AEW can go, yeah, but AEW beat WWE in the demo. Big fucking deal. AEW on Wednesday night with no real competition for 18 to 49 gets a higher percentage of a demo than Monday Night Raw going head-to-head with Monday Night Football, where the vast majority of 18 to 49-year-olds that watch wrestling also watch football. It's like me getting into a fist fight with Mike Tyson's kid and coming out on top of that. I'm just making this up, and if he did or he does, and I would have mopped the floor with that 16 to 18-year-old kid, that's like me walking around saying I beat the shit out of Tyson. Mm. And, there, and there's one more quote that was really, really dope to me that I, I liked, <clears throat> and it's this. AEW on a Friday night is at a big is at a very big disadvantage in terms of comparing it to apples to apples. But let's go back to the comparison that everybody likes to make. It's okay when people who write about ratings and talk about 18 to 49 like it's the end all be all and it's not. It's one component and it's an important one, but it's not, trust me, when it comes to revenue. Since people like Brian Alvarez were so excited comparing AEW the A team versus NXT, the C-team, then let's do the same thing on Friday nights. If that's how we're going to contextualize this battle, what about the fact that SmackDown delivered the week before more viewers in the demo than AEW had for total viewers? People two two years old and above, that's kind of a big deal, but nobody talked about it. no competition because uh, SmackDown's over by the time Rampage starts. It, it it just it goes to it goes to show what we say all the time. Number one, ratings are the ratings don't really fucking matter, not to us. But number two, and most importantly, you can't just arbitrarily compare shows on different nights where they don't have the same fucking competition. And you also you also can't just say it's a war and that makes it a war. Well, that's and that was uh, because that was the other point. That was the other yeah. point that he was making there, and I think it's a really salient one, and that's why I wanted us to at least bring it up. Like when we say this isn't a war at this time, it's not shade on AEW. It is a statement of fact from a financial standpoint, from a total eyeball standpoint, from a brand and market share standpoint. It is not a real competition competition yet. It's not. It is an alternative. It is a viable alternative. It is the first viable alternative in decades. What it is, is the XFL being able to, to live concurrently with the NFL. And now I know there are two drastic different situations because of a million different things. And the, there is a competition 
between both companies for talent. Absolutely. Because AEW can pay like WWE can. But other than that, they're not, they don't, they're, these companies aren't sitting on the same fucking planes. You know, and AEW has done the best I've ever seen a company do within two years. Yeah. It's fan, it's amazing to see that they're selling out 20,000 seat arenas and have a, a TV deal that's worth over $100 million. And they've, fostered a, and they've fostered a great crowd atmosphere for their yes. shows. The like, shows look so fun. But just because you don't like the way Vince does it doesn't mean that anybody that's got a little money and got some TV is competition. Yeah, that's just, and that's just the way that it is, y'all. Like, that's just the way that it is. Like we say all the time, come talk to us when Turner is asking AEW to get on HBO Max. Come talk to us when... They're getting, you know, million and billion dollar streaming deals. I'm legitimately curious. And I said this when it happened. But it was supposed to happen in October, but some kind of way Tony finagled it to January. That that Dynamite is moving to TBS. TBS. Now, no TBS by like, a, by like one million or two million more viewers in the country has more viewers than TNT. But TNT has always been looked at as the more serious channel. TBS has been looked at the comedy channel. That's how it was branded for a minute. Yeah. I'm really curious to see, and I know it sounds so stupid, but if they keep the same numbers. I'm really curious, just on the perception of the channels. Well, on the perception of the channels and just on the, the strength of, like, you know, moving networks is always weird and tricky, and it's not a guarantee that viewers will follow you. You know, WWE, when they left USA the first time, there were a lot of viewers that never came back. Yeah. They went to TNN and Spike, and then, you know, well, I guess we'll just watch something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the I'm time just, they were back on USA, you know, wrestling wasn't the hotness in the streets anymore. No, JBL's poopy. So, like, you know, and I mean, that's a fair question to ask. I don't have, we don't have an answer right now, but it'll be curious to watch as that unfolds. 100%. And also, I think the numbers of Rampage are going to tell, tell the story. The, ramp, the numbers of Rampage are going to continue numbers of Rampage are going to tell the story because they've dropped every night since Punk, since Punk debuted. So that, that tells me that while people care, there's no interest watching it live. Also, also, and I'm, I'm sure that it's just me at this point. Uh, I mean, and I knew I would tire of it before other people did. The novelty of punk has already worn off. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I completely. Well, because they because they did what they did with Sting. Well, punk they, comes out and talks today. Punk yeah. is interviewed by Tony. Tony, Tony Last Tony. night, he was the fucking guest. He was the fourth commentator for the entire fucking show. First oh, of all, a four man booth is just. No. What are we doing? No. I didn't but, know it was the whole show. I, I I saw the beginning. I didn't know it was the whole show. Yeah. Oh yeah, they announced they announced at the beginning of the thing that he was gonna be their guest for the whole show. Fourth commentator. Look, man, look, they're paying a motherfucker a lot of money. So like get your money, bro. But I'm with like there is something for keeping something special special. Like yeah. seeing Sting ain't special to me anymore. He hasn't been special in a long time because I see him every goddamn week. Yeah, and just because, you know, just because he's still handled like this, like, big mythic figure doesn't mean that he's still 
a mythic figure in my head. Especially because he can still put on those tights and he can still wear that body or that face paint. But I know for a fact he's had a lot of things replaced and he is a frail, fragile old man. Still doing crazy shit. Can I take a minute, minute and a half to talk about Sammy Guevara and Miro? You can have all the time you want, baby. It's your floor. Uh, I just want to say this. Miro has been, with respect and all love and rest in peace and power to Brody Lee, the best TNT championship they've had. I think he's held the title with a plum. I think he's brought prestige to a title that's always been fairly prestigious. I think he's had good matches. And more importantly, I love the fact that he's went from squash, 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 squash. And then slowly but surely, you see him selling more and more and more and looking more and more vulnerable. That's the way a champion should look. The more defenses you have, the more vulnerable you end up looking. I also love the fact that Sammy Guevara was the guy that beat him because Sammy Guevara doesn't have a goddamn thing to do right now. And you, you can there's more opportunities for good stories with Sammy than there are with Miro because of how intimidating Miro is as a presence. I also love the story that Sammy's only involved in this because he's sticking up for his boy Fuego. Also, this is all conjecture. This is all fan shit. But, you know, um, um, whatever the city he is from, from Bulgaria is built on Seven Hills. And he has the Seven Hills logo on the, the title. Well, someone posited that he's going to defend it seven times and lose the eighth. That's what happened. That's some really cool meta storytelling, if that's the point. My only negative, it didn't feel big. It felt a little out of nowhere to me. And I know you needed to send the home happy on Brody Lee Appreciation Night. Absolutely. But man, like, I'm not going to be one of these dudes who's going to complain about giving great matches away on free TV. Shout out to Adam Cole and Jungle Boy. I'm not going to be that guy. But there is an old school factor in me that says your biggest moments need to be paid for. Uh, so I don't, if it wasn't the TNT title, I would agree with you. Okay. I would that's, that's 100% agree with you. Yeah. But even though the TNT title is by default the second belt and therefore like prestigious in that regard, I still view it as a television title. Well, it is. And, and a television title changing hands on the television product is the point. Okay. And so I am okay with that. Did did you're not wrong that it didn't feel big. You're not okay. wrong that it didn't feel big and that it and felt kind of like it felt kind of like, oh, oh, we're going with Sammy? All right. Like, all right, we're going with Sammy. Yeah. I just felt um, like the person who beat Miro should have been celebrated. And it just didn't feel like that to me. Maybe I need to watch it over. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. But uh, right guy won. I think yeah. we're in the right position, right situation here. Um, and I do agree with you that you can tell more stories with Sammy. And also, like, he, it will get him more television time, which I'm here for. Um, but he, he is a more versatile storyteller. Mm-hmm. And I think taking risks with your TV title is a good thing. I think that it is also a good thing to put it on these younger guys that you're trying to kind of establish as the pillars Agreed. so that they can like, 
you know, get used to carrying a belt on television. Don't be surprised if they run if they run directly into a Guevara Adam Cole feud. I could see that. I could also see Sammy and MJF. That's the I'm, other one. Yeah. I know they're doing MJF versus Darby, but MJF brought up Sammy and Jungle Boy in his little promo last night. So. Well, those are the those are the those are the, the, the four, four pillars. pillars. Yeah, the new four pillars. So, one more thing, real quick: TBS okay. title being for women, the women's mid card title. Here about for it, more titles for the ladies, Great. more TV I'm, for the ladies. I'd Here rather the, for it. I'd rather the mid card women's title than a women's tag title. Yep. Yep. Double yes. Yes and yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's all I wanted. I just I I thought it was such a big moment that she could have felt bigger. And, yeah. No, that's and, fair. And that's and that's a personal thing because I know people blew up that Sammy one. But I just I as much as I like Sammy and I like where he's headed, as much as I love the story between him and Fuego. As much as Miro has murdered that role, I just knew that if that was the case, oh my God, Sammy, and it didn't feel that way, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. Before we get out of here, let's just do quick draft thoughts. Um. My only thought is Drew McIntyre is going to SmackDown. Drew and Finn are switching. I think Rose. I think Bobby Lashley and her business go to SmackDown. I think Hit Row goes to Raw. I think Hit Row goes to the main. Especially after BFAP got her ass beat. Well, because they know that she's not ready yet. And Electra is. And my God, thank you, Jesus, for Electra and that outfit. Woo! Um, I mean, Legato sorry. is so great. I, 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 I believe Legato was going up, too. But I feel like they still need uh, Anchor Stable. Because Diamond Mind, Diamond Mind, in terms of Roddy and Malcolm, shout out to my boy Malcolm Bivens, already the Cree brothers are still just needing a little more cooking and ivy needs a shot so like but legato right now is a top tier faction like i can see santos being the next challenger when brown breaker beats uh tomaso champa you know what i'm talking about i'm here for it because he del fantasma is amazing well he's he's fantasma yeah so like here Um, for that bailey to raw Oscar to SmackDown. Really? Yeah. Uh, Oscar to SmackDown. Okay, yeah. But Bailey to Raw, really? Interesting. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think Liv goes to Raw, and I think Liv gets posited in that next baby face spot. Mm. Um, Well, I mean, they're going to need somebody because you see Alexis hurt again. She had a match. Now she hurt. Um, Shout out to Zappa. Hey. Keep getting them checks, James. Uh, what's my boy in Birmingham? James Andrews? Keep getting them yeah, checks, bro. keep getting them checks, bro. And I think we flip-flop mid-card champs. So I think Priest goes to SmackDown. And I think Boogs, your favorite wrestler. <laughs> and um, King Nakamura go to Raw. Those are the major ones, I think. And I, and, um, I felt like they were going to move LA Knight up. They clearly got something for him. He, he's in a feud now with Odyssey Jones. You know as well as I do, though, that that don't always mean shit. It does not. That's Because Odyssey Jones might be gone, too, so that's a great point. The moment was there on NXT to let Mandy Rose and the Toxic Attraction beat Zoe Stark and Io Shirai so Io can see you later. 
Because she need to go. Send that girl up to the main and let her do work. Let her make beautiful, beautiful art with all of those women. And and I liked the pairing because Zoe needed some heat on her. A good way. Like she needed to get a little rub. There has been zero rub for Zoe Stark, except for the fact that she had the worst segment in NXT history making fun of the Japanese food that EO eats. You know why so I like, need you know another reason I need EO up to the main? Like I need in an American ring. EO and Asuka one-on-one. I need it. My only question is, when we talk about famous Japanese matches, don't AJ Nakamura yourself, because it's not going to be the same match. I know it's not, because they're older and they're different, but I need it. And they're not going to let them wrestle with that style. I know, I still need it. Talking about stuff I need, I need an Asuka kind of heel turn. Oh yeah, for sure. With the face paint, and like psycho killer murdering everybody. I need it to. But then the problem is, like, you're not getting rid of the three pillars of SmackDown right now. Becky not going, Bianca not going, Sasha not going. But you gotta got somebody else in there as a face, right? Bianca can't fight all. Bianca by herself. Is this is this a Batman movie? <laughs> nah, nah. But like, you could have an anti-hero. It, well, put okay, Naomi, then, let Naomi join the bloodline after she beats the dog shit out of Sonya Deville for ducking her. Can we talk about how great of a build the this has been? The best feud in SmackDown is Sonya versus Naomi, and they haven't oh, even laid a hand on each other yet. Not one thing. In fact, this could lead to, call me crazy, Naomi might win the Rumble. This Maybe. might be heating up to get to the Rumble, dog. Because you know she's always she's always one of the last people standing in the Rumble. I mean, Naomi's oh. about it. I'm I'm here for it. I am always here for a Naomi push. Shit. You can't, you can't say about it when Trick Williams is out here living up the 99-2000s uh, uh, No Limit Soldiers. We bought it, bought it. Bro, like, we 20 years ago. Come on, dog. I mean, stop reminding me how old we are, man. Um, I'm excited for the draft. I just hope that it's not lip service. I hope yeah. what my concern is, is that I don't want them to just say, boop, here we go. Like, l- let's keep some continuity on the rosters and just freshen things up. Let's not literally just do a, a switch. Yeah, yeah, that would really be lame. That would be and really, really lame. Send some people down it. Best thing that ever happened to Mandy Rose is going back to NXT. Best thing that happened to, that was the best thing that happened to Finn when he went. Like, Finn was in creative hell. Cesaro. Went down to NXT, went down to NXT, rediscovered the Prince gimmick. Cesaro. Like, Ty- Tyson Kidd wouldn't have a career. He'd have been fired if he didn't go back to NXT. Like, so, you know. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. But I, anyway. But anyway, the draft will be fun to watch. We'll enjoy it. We'll see what happens. Um, in the meantime, though, Tell the good people where they can find you, my brother. Well, you can find me at It's Ray Cash. That's R-E-Y's in Mysterio, C-A-S-H as in dollars. And, of course, Carl, who will be back one day at Outside of Curving. Um, and, uh, oh, yeah, Chair Shot Media. That's important, right? At Chair Shot Media. 
Well, anyway, you can find the show at Chairshot Media. Always use your head. You can find the show on Twitter at Outsiders Edge CS. I am on Twitter at Dr. S'mores. And as always, y'all, remember, we here at the Outsiders Edge are some increasingly less young gentlemen doing everything that we can trying to make it out here in this world. And sometimes we're going to hit you with some rough facts, like AEW needs to do a better job of having equal representation and not just paying lip service to it. And other times we're going to hit you with them like silly facts, like you don't want to run into Arn Anderson in the middle of the night. No, sir. No, you do not. But no matter what, we're just out here chasing our dreams. And you got to respect that. Because if you don't, well, just like A-Double with the Glock, we sure don't give a fuck. Fuck a fuck. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Catch you next time. Stay out to the streets when you see Arn, bro. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.